We're now in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. He uses the word apostle. Basically, it means a special messenger, a pioneer, or a foundation layer. An apostle would supersede the prophetic ministry of the Old Testament and even of the New by the will of God. So all apostles and prophets of the Old Testament, they were called by God. It isn't something they chose. They either accepted the calling or rebelled against it. They did not choose those callings. Remember, Moses tried to get out of it, and God got a little angry with him, but he did not let him get out of it. Apostles of the New Testament are superior in authority than those of the Old Testament and even the New Testament. Actually, all apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're also prophets and evangelists. So they include the fivefold ministries. They can do and do do all of them at times because they sort of go in and evangelize in an area. They get disciples, converts, and they stayed a while to make sure they could appoint some who were mature enough or workers that came with them left behind to disciple and teach them so that hopefully in a year or two, they'd be very mature and they could be pastors and overseers at that time. And as we found out in First Timothy, overseers and elders, you can choose that if you are a mature Christian. If you're a mature man, you can choose that and the Lord approves of it. But when it comes to being an apostle and a prophet, you don't choose that. God chooses it. He can elevate people from lesser ministries, people who are faithful as teachers and overseers. As they mature more, God can gift them more or put them in a higher position of authority. And with that comes the responsibility that he gives. So once God gives authority for certain ministries and gifts, you cannot easily get out of it. You're either promoted or you're rebellious, and you can lose the gifts and callings. You can make shipwreck of one's faith by not staying with the Lord. So they're not permanent, and only as the person continues with the Lord. And Christians can miss God's will and settle for other things later. But that's God's business, how he deals with the individuals and those how quickly and how seriously they obey the Lord and follow him and his spirit. So an apostle has all a fivefold, uh, we call a word ministries. Uh, they are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors, and, and teachers. All in the mature Christians that want to minister to other people, to teach them, uh, to be elders and leaders, they have to be mature Christians, and then they are capable of being elders and deacons and 
overseers. They called them bishops sometimes, shepherds, pastors. They're all similar words here. They can be chosen, and God will favor them, but still God has to approve of it. And usually the body of Christ has to recognize it at one time. Now we don't have as as much or many sound real churches anymore or gatherings. So the Lord deals with us often individually, and he's dealing with us. And that's what he did with the prophets. When the law and the priests failed, he called the prophets to do certain things that superseded the general rules. And he'll do that now because he will not tolerate false churches and those who are not spiritually mature. If you don't have anybody, then you don't have a spiritual church. You've got individuals that are Christians, but it cannot have no lampstand if there's not several in the gathering who are mature Christians and can be led by the Holy Spirit. He does not appoint novices and babes and If he has no one, he uses no one. That happened in the Old Testament several times. The word of the Lord, the vision of the Lord was rare, and God didn't do certain things because of their wickedness and their unbelief. And this can still happen today. Okay? So the apostle has a unique ministry, higher than other ministries, and as we said, he, he is a prophet and an evangelist at the same time. Some prophets, many prophets, that they have the calling of the ministry and evangelists, they are not apostles. Some evangelists are not prophets in ministry. Anyone who's a mature Christian, the Lord can use to give a prophetic word and reveal things to them. But that is not a called office or ministry for them. But anybody filled the Spirit, at times God can use them to prophesy or speak in tongues or to give an inspired word. But the New Testament apostle and prophet, they're used more and they're given other gifts to help them in their office. Okay, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. When Jesus was crucified, and dead in the body for the three days, he descended into paradise during that time. Remember, paradise was like a heaven, but not the very heaven, and hell was on the other side, and there was some kind of separation. It appears that they could see each other, but they could not cross, and the wicked were in hell, and the righteous were in paradise. And so Jesus went down since he was going to be resurrected, and he said it's finished on the cross, and he defeated the devil. He defeated all of his powers. So legally, he did what God required. So he went down into paradise and proclaimed his victory. The people in paradise, the old Jews and some righteous Gentiles, If they were already in paradise, they understood and were given a full picture of what Christ had done and what he was going to do. So as we look back and have faith in what Christ did, they looked forward and had faith in what he would do. And so when he accomplished that, he went down there and proclaimed his victory and 
he took them up into heaven. So paradise ceased to be paradise. It's only hell in that spiritual abode now. So he led captivity captive. They were still under the power legally until Jesus shed his blood and resurrected. They were sort of in a holding place, but they were righteous before the Lord according to the law and according to their conscience. And so Jesus told them what he did, and they believed him because they lived in a righteous state, and he took them up to heaven uh, with him. And when he did this, and he began to institute the new covenant, he gave gifts unto the body of Christ, to Christians, superior gifts than they had under the old covenant. And that's why Jesus told the disciples, I'm with you now. He was humanly there, but he was confined and could not use his divinity without the Father's permission. He had to submit as a prophet, a teacher, a servant. And that was uh, some of the temptations that the devil tried to get him to do on the 40 days fasting. He said, if you're the son of God, make this stone's bread. Well, he could have done it, but he would have disobeyed the Father if he had done it, and the devil knew that, so Jesus would not. He would have starved to death before he ate. That was his determination, and he succeeded, and even when he finished, he still is a man. He still was the prophet, Uh and he had to live as a human, and when he overcame the great uh, temptations and he came down on the power of the Spirit, and all the demons were subject to him then. But it's interesting, after his 40 days of almost starvation, when he finished, the temptations were finished, angels came and fed him. See, he was still could not use his divinity and do things arbitrary. He had to submit to the Father as a man, and yet he had the potential to not do it. But man's salvation depended on it, and God's dealing with Christianity depended on him obeying the Father on everything. He never disobeyed. He never sinned. And so that's why he was a righteous sacrifice, and he could lead them up by the power of the Holy Spirit, and He ascended into heaven with them ultimately, okay? And then his Godhead, his glory was restored to him. He asked for that before he died. He said, Father, restore to me the glory which I had with you before the world was. And what was that glory? He was one with the Father. We do not fully comprehend what people call the Trinity or the Godhead, but evidently, They're separate in some degrees, but they're never separate in everything they do. They're so united. Every gift and ministry is attributed to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't see any uh, mention. And Jesus often told his disciples, I and the Father are one. Even though he did not use his divinity on his own, he still was the Son of God, and he still had the potential but he had to do these things for mankind. He had to overcome and be a sinless offering. So when he did that and gave gifts to the body of Christ, he tells us what these gifts were. 
And while the apostle and the ministries of the New Testament are superior to the old, that's why Jesus said the the person that's least in the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about the new covenant. He said is greater than anyone of the old. He actually implied that John the Baptist had the greatest ministry. And they had the greatest ministry of all the prophets. And John the Baptist was the only prophet that did not perform a miracle. And yet Christ called him greater because he laid the foundation for Christ to come. And many of the people that came to the Lord was because John laid the foundation and taught them properly and got them to repent and get right for the Lord to come. And they did. So he had the greatest of the Old Testament ministries. And yet Jesus said the least. The least Christian that's born again has a higher potential. And the reason is because Christ is in them. When they are born again or regenerated, the Spirit abides and lives with their spirit. He did not do this in the Old Covenant. He came upon them temporarily. He dealt with them at a lower level because he had not come and been glorified. And so they were righteous according to the dispensation they were under. But he said any Christian had a greater privileges. We can enter behind the veil as the high priest did. They could not do that under the old covenant. So he had to keep them at arm's length until he could purify their conscience and dwell with them. So therefore the Christian, the least Christian, has greater potential and greater privileges than those of the old covenant, okay? So what he's given them, he said, he gave he himself, the Lord, again, we will see the apostles change tone and teach. Sometimes they'll attribute it to the Father. Sometimes they'll attribute it to the Son. Sometimes they'll attribute it to the because they're the one Godhead. They're not triplets. They work differently. And we cannot fully understand the Godhead. He doesn't cease to explain all of this. But Jesus made it plain that I and the Father are one. We're one person. And now, even in Revelation and through Isaiah, Jesus was going to be called the everlasting Father, God Almighty. And that's what he is called and claims in the book of Revelation. He's one with the Father. There's only one throne in heaven. It's the Father and the Son, the Lamb and the Father. So he's the judge of all in all situations. He was the creator with the Father. He created all the natural realms and everything, the angelic realms. And Hebrews and Scripture says they were created by him and for him. So he was one with the Father always was, but limited when he took on the human form. The scripture says he emptied himself of what? The use of his divinity. But it was restored to him when he ascended after the resurrection. And when the angels saw him go up in the cloud, they said he'll come that way. So bodily, Jesus still has a human body and he acts as a human, and God's intercessor now until he returns as king and judge. Also, getting back to this gifts, he gave some of the Christians to be apostles. 
He gave some to be prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, these fivefold gifts, the gifts are people. The ministries are them. They are the gift. And of course, they have various supernatural gifts and spiritual gifts that come with their ministries. And then later on, he names various other supernatural ministries and other ministries to help every Christian should have various ministries. And they can be given more than one or two. They can excel in a ministry rather than the norm for it. God gives, according to his grace, a measure to the body of Christ, and the Christian must exercise faith to use those things as the Holy Spirit guides them. So the gifts are not for the Christian to use as he pleases. Even mature Christians can teach. If they know the Word of God, they can expound on it. But unless the Lord anoints it, unless he moves, it's just knowledge, head knowledge, information. It does not produce life. So lots of people give out tracts and preach, and, but they're not called to the Lord. Many novices are out there trying to give the gospel. They're not called to the Lord. So they're just giving information. And when we give the gospel at times, and it gets harder and harder, the Bible says people plant and some water, but God gives the increase. So if God doesn't give the increase in these ministries, then it doesn't accomplish anything. It's just mere knowledge and information, okay? So we see he gives in measure. He gives some various ministries, but we will find the fivefold ministries that we just read. They take precedence and authority over all other ministries because they're based on the Word of God. So all apostles and prophets and evangelists, they have to be teachers. So when you hear of evangelists going, getting people saved from church to church, and all they preach is seven scriptures, they're not called evangelists. There is no place in scripture uh, where we're told to go out and give seven scriptures to people. Jesus said, preach the gospel to all and teach them to observe everything I told you. When they preached the gospel, they often stayed for hours. They didn't give them seven scriptures. And then when they finished, they said, and continue with the Lord, implying that they didn't have to. They could forfeit what they had. He said, for through much tribulation, we all enter the kingdom. We have a warfare, a pilgrimage, a probation, and we must be loyal to the Lord to the end of our life. And if not, we make shipwreck of our faith. We forfeit the grace of God. So it can be lose regardless of what the false shepherds tell people. Okay. And he gave this for what? These ministries. 13, he says, until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure and the statue of the fullness of Christ. I'll read the next verse. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of teaching by the trickery of men and their craftiness, and they lie in wait to deceive. So these ministries are basically to mature the baby Christian, the novice. They begin the race with the Lord, but that don't mean they're finished. 
lot of false shepherds. Uh, you confess Jesus and believe and you're saved forever and you don't have to worry about it. Well, they're teachers of the devil. They're deceived. There is no once saved, always saved. Uh, it's none of that. There is no greasy grace. There is no God does it all and, and you can live as you please. You do not have a license to sin. You do not find that under Paul or any of the apostles. You'll find much on continuing and putting on and the consequences if you do not do it. And he's talking to Christians, okay? That's who he reads it for. So we're to speak the truth, he said, that they may grow up to him to head Christ. So these fivefold ministries is mainly to mature the Christian once he's come to the Lord. So he'll be in a position to be able to expound on the word of God and understand how to be moved upon and led by the Spirit. People cannot ultimately be led by other people. Christians disciple other Christians until they are mature and teach them principles and guidance where they can. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that makes you mature or not. You can be given the proper information, but we'll find out if you're disobedient, if you're carnal and worldly, you'll eventually fall back and you cannot mature. Does it matter if you've had the perfect teaching and the perfect teacher if you do not obey the Lord and be led of the Spirit? And that's what Paul said. These are the sons of God, those who are led of the Spirit. It's continuous to follow the Lord, and mature Christians will begin to be able to discern uh, what's from God and what's not, and what's of man and what's of the devil, and that means he's capable of having ministry. No real ministry is given to novices and babes. They can be prepared for it and told about it, but until they're mature, they have no valid ministry. And so people need to understand that. They try to keep them busy to keep them in the gatherings, but that does not make them mature. That gives them something to do. A lot of people like activity, but that does not make them mature. Only the Holy Spirit can give the increase, and that depends on how the individual responds to the Holy Spirit when God's dealing with him and his knowledge and conscience that he has before the Lord. Well, one more scripture. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. So he mentions again while he's teaching about the gifts here, and God has appointed these in the church. And he's saying, we're of the body and we have different functions. And then he says, and God has appointed these in the church. Well, God is the Father, and God is the Spirit, and God is the Son. You'll find that in various places also, okay? First apostles, now this is the time he shows the difference in authority. First he is appointed, foremost. It means the highest authority that takes precedent among the gifts and ministry is the apostle. Second, prophets. Thirdly, now he mentions teachers because that's going to include the evangelists, the pastors or shepherds, and teaching elders. So they have third in authority in the body of Christ. Okay, may not be locally as we're getting darker, uh, but that's how God has established. And then after that, 
He doesn't name any particular order. He just states certain ministries, and he doesn't mention them all here. He said there are miracles, then gifts of healing. There are helps, administrations, which are leaderships, and a variety of tongues, okay? And then he, he asked a, a rhetorical question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? And the implication is no, that God's called and gifted people, some with more than one gift, some with various ministries. He gives according to his measure of grace. And he can add to it later if the person is faithful in what he's been given. If he's not faithful and mature in areas, God has no intentions of giving him anything else. So he can alter this. And like I say, you get promoted in the spiritual realm. And if you're demoted, that means you're rebellious. And that means that God is going to chastise or punish you, or you're going to be cast out of the kingdom eventually if you don't listen. So there's consequences for ministries. You have a stewardship. And once it's given to you, you don't say, I don't want to do this anymore. You don't have no choice in the matter. Sometimes Christians will want this ministry and that ministry, and God doesn't give it to them because they're not even faithful in what one they have. They just want something to glorify themselves and look big around people because they've still got so much of the carnal world in them, and they're not mature. And God cannot use them and will not use them uh-huh. because he knows once he gives higher ministry, there's higher responsibility, there's greater suffering in the world and consequences. Well, if you knew what an apostle has to bear, most Christians would shrink from that. They're thinking of all the great things they did. They're not thinking of all the suffering they put up with and what God himself, to mature them, they have to share in the sufferings of Christ. Well, the human nature don't like that too well. So everybody, they want the gifts of healing and miracles. They don't want nothing higher that causes them to suffer because they're of the world. They're not spiritual. They don't understand. Many of the Corinthians were like that. And Paul had some sharp things to say to them. So he wants to explain to them. And we'll find that he's given Timothy's instructions as a superior Christian in his ministry. He's more than a teacher, and he expects more of him. And we'll see he, he tells him this later. And then, so when he talks about all the ministries and gifts that God gives, and then there are the supernatural gifts, the motivation gifts, they vary, but they're all of the Lord and under his control. God does not give any supernatural gifts that people use at will. Because if you had the gift of healing, you could empty the hospitals. You haven't heard anybody doing that lately, have you? God calls them and moves on them at times to pray and do things, and God acts. And it gets lesser and lesser as the age gets darker, the outward miracles God draws back. He doesn't do as much as a punishment to those who are persistent in their evil and their deceptions. It'll get very darker uh, spiritually. Okay, so he names this, but then he says something interesting. 31, he said, earnestly desire the best gifts, the greater gift. Earnestly means sincerely. 
you are to desire ministry gifts. Every Christian that's mature is supposed to be having some. He has to be an exhorter, a teacher. He's gifted for mercies and helps in a way that the normal Christian isn't. He's given greater patience and insight into things. And everybody, as they mature, is supposed to have some kind of gift. It's part of being a Christian. If not, you're still a novice and a babe, and you're not very useful in the kingdom of God. Okay? And so he says, but earnestly desire, sincerely desire the greater gifts. Okay, he mentions that. What's the greater gift? We'll find out later. He considered Paul the greatest gifts. He considered prophecy. It means it influences more than other gifts. And that's basically what the apostle used also as he went around. It expresses God's will and purpose in a fuller way, and it speaks the mind of God. Prophecy is not just preaching or teaching or exhorting. If you have those ministries, You should have prophecy at times. If a preacher is really preaching or evangelizing, at times the Spirit moves him and people come under conviction and their conscience is disturbed. That's a part of prophecy. If he's just teaching the Word or preaching and there's no anointing, the person's just getting information. God occasionally can use it anyway for the individual even if the the minister isn't doing right and isn't led of the Lord. He can use his word. If he can speak through a jackass, he can use anybody when he wants to. But it's no credit to them. Okay? And that's what was happening to the Corinthians. They were mixing things, and then their carnality and their human nature was getting involved in these things. And Paul, he had to correct them and give them some strong Warnings. Okay, so we desire, uh, whatever level we at, that God will reveal to us what we're supposed to be doing, how to be led of the Lord for various gifts and ministry. They're all spiritual. So the gift of healing is not being a doctor. The gift of languages is not knowing several languages. They are supernatural. The individual that exercises the gift is simply the channel that the Lord's Spirit moves through, okay? And that's why Jesus said, when I leave, you'll do greater things than me. Uh-huh. A Christian under certain ministries, he can do greater things than Jesus did in the flesh he was talking about. He's not talking about his sacrifice and being Savior and prophet. Jesus never left his locality. Christians go out to all the world and preach the gospel. So when he says that, he means because I'm going to be in you, we're going to do greater things. But still, it's the Spirit of Christ in them, the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit. And so he says, if you earnestly desire uh, the greater gifts, the many people say the greater gifts also is the gift that's needed at the time. But the proclamation of the Word of God, expounding on it, teaching on it, it's the five-fold ministry gifts are all teachers. And each one of them at times, prophecy should move through when they're ministering the word of God. If not, they fail to do their duty, that God should inspire them and gift them. There's instructional teaching that often can be bland and you don't find it exciting. But even in that, the Lord could give a person insight 
and all of a sudden they see things they never saw before. The Holy Spirit enlightens them and gives them the gift of knowledge and wisdom at that moment, and then they begin to perceive things. So all gifts and ministries have to be motivated by the Holy Spirit. He uses the body of Christ. He doesn't work separately, basically, from them. Jesus is the head. He moves in them. He controls them if they're led of the Spirit. So you don't find no place where humans have these gifts or ministries to do as they please with. You don't find that, okay? And again, then he says something wonderful. He said, yet, after I've told you about these uh, gifts and these greater ministries, he said, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. And then he expounds the whole chapter on what love is. And he calls it a more excellent way. Why? Because the love that he's talking about, as we read that, the love that thinks no evil, that suffers long, that bears all things, they have the Spirit of Christ in them. They're maturing, and Christ is in them. They are bearing fruit. The branch draws from the vine, Jesus, and bears this fruit. It cannot bear fruit by itself. And even Jesus said, without me, you could do nothing. And yet Paul said, but through Christ, you could do all things. So before they can be fruit-bearing, there has to be a unity and a consensus between Christ and the body. Their will is important. He does not move against them. He has to use them, and they must yield to him. And if they don't, he does not work or bear fruit. So that's the more excellent way is to be in Christ, and the Christian has Christ in him, and he reveals himself uh, at different levels and different graces and faith according to the individual uh, responding to him. Why is it a more excellent way? Because all of the ministry gifts will cease. They're only for this world. They don't pass into heaven. Love does and the relationship with God, and knowing God and Jesus Christ is eternal life. But there we need no hope, no faith. We don't need no human. People who've had the gift of healing come on them, and they've been healed, but eventually they die. Uh, They've had various miracles and things to do, and then they cease. They're bound to this world. They do not pass in to eternity. So therefore, the more excellent way is Christ. Uh, Loving God, God loving us, and our relationship with him will be eternal. None of the gifts. There will be no apostles or prophets or evangelists in heaven. They're not needed. You will not even need faith because you'll be in reality then. You don't have to look for something and hope for something that hasn't happened yet. There it'll be eternal. So that's the more excellent way. So he was telling the Corinthians that you may be caught up too much in wanting these gifts and ministries and you're not mature enough and yet you've not excelled in what God's love is. That's what he told the Corinthians. He said, knowledge puffs up. They were proud of their knowledge and and understanding and at times the gift of wisdom and knowledge was given and they saw things but they weren't measuring up as far as God was concerned and the love, their duty to God and to man. 
that we're getting more into carnality. And sometimes he said, you're not spiritual. You walk like people do. You live like the people of the world. So he was disappointed in their progress in many areas. So as the apostle, we'll see in the second part, he was called by the Father in Christ according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Okay. So the apostle and the apostles, they were to proclaim eternal life through the coming of Christ Jesus in human form and ultimately making the sacrifice, the proper teaching as a prophet, and giving out God's complete plan. So the call of Jesus Christ was fulfilling, completing the culmination of all the Old Testament prophecies and promises. And so the apostle was called at this moment to reveal now is the time. All of those things had been centered on Christ and eternal life. See, later on we find he's going to say again, what is eternal life? He said it's to know the true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's the ultimate of Christianity. Is God's plan in this life. He told us through the apostle, he said that God says that you'll live godly in this present age. If you don't, you won't make it to the next age. So he's ultimately want to reveal himself for who he is, and we can walk in him and have eternal hope and salvation for the afterlife. Let's take a break here. 